Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. I am so excited today to be interviewing our very special guest, Felicia Masonheimer, and we're looking at William Tyndale. Felicia, welcome. It's good to see you. Thanks so much for having me, Leah. Thank you for being here. So Felicia Masonheimer is an incredible uh, woman of God. She is married to a wonderful man. She has three beautiful children. She lives in Michigan in the United States. Um, she is a best-selling author in the U.S. and she also runs a ministry called Every Woman a Theologian, empowering women everywhere to know the Bible, to know Christian doctrine, and really to go deeper in their relationship with God. So Felicia, thank you so much for being with us you are amazing I was saying before your absolute goals um thank you for for coming on the podcast well I'm super excited to be here because I love what you're doing on the podcast and <laughs> it's not often that I get to nerd out about church history yes yeah any of these amazing people who came before us in this beautiful church that we're a part of Totally, totally. And I love how much you love church history, like in, in all of your ministry and all of your stuff online. I love whenever you post stuff about church history, you are just a brilliant mind for church history. So I hope that people after this podcast will go follow you at Felicia Masonheimer. Is that your handle on Instagram? That's right. Yeah. Yes. And check out her website. Um, it's just incredible. All of the gold that she has out there on the internet. Um, but Felicia, today we're talking about William Tyndale. William Tyndale. Why do you like William Tyndale? There is so much I admire about this man, but mm-hmm. probably what makes me pick him, if we're going to talk about a character in church history, in church history, you know, a person in church history, is I have a lot of interest in the development of Bible translations and how the Bible got to be what it is today. I think, you know, when we talk about theology or scripture, we can often forget that there's a process by which we got the Bible in the first place. And as our culture questions the authority of the Bible. It's helpful to study where it came from and how it was compiled and how it was translated to English. And Tyndale was a big part of that translation process. And what a lot of people don't know is that Tyndale lost his life. And he was one of multiple people who lost their lives in the process of getting the Bible into the English language. And so I think just knowing that helps us appreciate the Bible even more. Totally, totally. That's awesome. So could you give us a little bit of a background on William Tyndale? Where did he come from? Who is this guy? Um, Yeah, his background would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I have my notes here on my giant whiteboard. So if I'm like (laughs) looking back at the video, looking at the whiteboard, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Um, So William Tyndale started going to college very young. He was Mm -hmm. 16 when he went to Oxford. After that, he went on to Cambridge where he was helping to teach. He was teaching a little bit and he left Cambridge, I think around 1522 and very early on. So right in the 1520s is when a lot of his translation work happened and a lot of persecution began to happen. So he was 
very young, first of all. Um, and he also was very passionate about getting the Bible into English. So at this point, Martin Luther had already translated the Bible into German, or he was in the process of translating the Bible into German. And so this, the German translation really kind of inspired William Tyndale to do that in English. Now, he learned Greek very well during his education, more like more well than the average person. He was, <laughs> he was really good at Greek and he also knew Hebrew and that was pretty rare. So if you know anything about Bible translations and in church history, I, I would love to talk about it for hours, but not everyone <laughs> would want me to do that. The, the Bible that was in English before William Tyndale was translated from the Latin Vulgate. So St. Jerome, Jerome um, translated the Bible into Latin mm -hmm. from the Septuagint, um, which is the Greek Old Testament. He translated those Greek versions to the Latin Vulgate. Then Wycliffe translated the Latin to English. So now you are two degrees removed with the Vulgate and with um, Wycliffe's version, two degrees removed from the original languages which is fine, but there are a couple problems with that by the time you get to William Tyndale, because not only is it two degrees removed, but also Wycliffe's Bible was hand copied. So it was harder to distribute. You, you have people hand writing out these entire Bibles. So of course they're super expensive and hard mm -hmm. to get a hold of. And secondly, Wycliffe translated into middle English. And by the time William Tyndale was alive, he was speaking and, and the nation was speaking modern English. And mm -hmm. so it didn't make sense to distribute Wycliffe's Bible when you know, the vernacular had changed. That's mm -hmm. kind of like if we said everybody has to read the KJV, nothing wrong with the KJV, <laughs> but a lot of people in today's modern vernacular don't understand it. They can't read it. I actually it. read KJV only. I don't know about you, but really? I think really? I think the real Christian. No, no, not at all. Oh my gosh, real I was about to have, have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Some people do. Some people do. And, and I have a whole podcast I'm... series about the KJV. But <laughs> if we said every single person has to read the KJV, there's a lot of people who, you know, wouldn't understand it because their education did not include these kinds of words. And so um, at the time of Tyndale, the Bible, the English Bible that existed really could use some modernization. Yeah. But the whole goal here wasn't just to have another Bible. The goal here was that William Tyndale wanted the common person to be able mm. to read the Bible for so himself. Beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Totally. It's just, he had this burning desire for common mm. people to know God through the word. So good. Unfortunately, at the time, that was really controversial because mm. the Catholic church at that time was corrupt. Mm. So corrupt in its sense that it had misplaced its priorities. And this doesn't mean that the Catholic church as a whole now or then was completely corrupt on every level and every mm. priest and every cardinal it just means that at that time, the Catholic Church needed to be reformed. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. The reformers yeah. were were taking those steps and mm -hmm. they were trying to get the Bible in the hands of the people. The problem was that 
the leaders of the church disagreed with putting the Bible in the hands of the people because Mm -hmm. they said common people can't interpret it correctly. They can't interpret it or understand it. And so they're going to come up with ideas that aren't biblical. And, you know, so we don't want them reading it. They need to have us reading it. Mm. But many of the the mass at that point was in Latin, which the common people didn't understand. And so you either had a Latin mass or a Latin Bible or Wycliffe's old, you know, English Bible that's really hard to get a hold of. That leaves people with no way of understanding Mm. how to be a follower of Christ Yes. Except if a priest explains the Latin mass to them and explains, um, explains it to them. And so it was just that state of society that drove William Tyndale to try and, and translate the Bible into English and into the common tongue for the people. Absolutely amazing. That's incredible. And I think at the time as well, people were saying like, can't remember who it was, but some famous player in this story of William Tyndale said, I'd rather um, be right according to the Pope than be right according to the Bible or something like that. And you're just like, wow, it's r- so messed up that people yep. would rather obey the Pope than obey God and have that authority of God in their lives. Um, so it was just in terms of people who were running the show, um, just really sort of sort of dark at the time and yeah obviously someone needed to come and bring light um so thank god for tyndale it's awesome Mm -hmm. um you brought up you brought up a good story and it and this is actually the story that most people remember tyndale by is that he got into an argument with a priest who said i would we are better off without god's law we'd be better to be without god's law than the Pope's crazy. Tyndale replied, of course, Tyndale, Tyndale got a little sassy and he said, I love his sassiness. "Um, I defy the Pope and all his laws. And then added that if God spared his life, he would cause the boy that drives the plow to know Mm -hmm. more of scripture than the priest did. Wow. And that is, that's why they began to call this Bible, the plow boys Bible, or, you know, basically his plowboy project to get this Bible in the hands of this common young man so that he could know God's law for himself. So beautiful. So beautiful. So yeah. Can you tell us about maybe some big events in Tyndale's life, um, his works? What did he end up doing um, before he couldn't do anything else? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great way to put it because it is a sad story how it ends. So Mm -hmm. He so if we look at him leaving Cambridge in 1522, right around that the time that the German translation was published by Luther, mm-hmm. in 1536 is when he was taken captive and burnt. Wow. So he only had what's that 14 years Crazy. to to get that much done, and he was pretty wrong, young at that point. So mm-hmm. throughout the 20s. 1520s is when he was working to translate the Bible um, into English, and and he was using Erasmus's Greek texts. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another rabbit trail there. But basically, Erasmus translated and compiled these Greek texts, and that's what he was using to make his translation, um, at least of the New Testament. And so. In 1526, he had translated enough to start smuggling 
the Bibles back into England. So he had to leave England um, or print them outside of England. And then he had to bring them back into um, the country. And Which was illegal at the time, right? That's right, why he's had to leave. Illegal. Yeah. Yes. So he was kind of when we talk about persecuted Christians in China and mm-hmm. how we'll hear about smuggling Bibles in China and things like that. A very similar situation was happening at this point to where the church directly opposed what Tyndale was doing. And they, in you know, no uncertain words, told him, like, you need to stop this or you will die. And he decided that it would be safer um, if he moved out of England to try and get the work done. So he actually moved to where Luther was um, so that he could actually kind of, he could actually listen and learn from Luther, but also he could complete this English translation because it was friendlier there in Germany towards the Protestants and toward the process of, um, of breaking down um, this translation and then printing it. And so he had access to a printing press and he was able to create these, these uh, um, beautiful Bibles that were going to be distributed. And so he had to go back to England eventually to bring these Bibles back <laughs> over and distribute them. And that's where, you know, eventually they caught him and mm-hmm. anyone who was aiding him was also um, pr- imprisoned sometimes burned at the stake as well. Crazy. Hey, and didn't they um, grab a whole bunch of the Bibles and just burn them outside St. Paul's or something like that? Yes. Okay. So yeah. I have this story. Um, like tagged here because I wanted to read this story because it's a fascinating one. Um, There was a gentleman who was basically hired guy named Tunstall who was in the business of stopping Tyndale. Again, Mm -hmm. you have to remember that there's a lot of politics at play here. Henry VIII is in power Mm -hmm. and we all know he was kind of a mess and (laughs) he his whole issue with the Catholic church, of course, revolved around what he wanted to do and his divorces and things Mm -hmm. like that. But he also had opinions about the the printing of these Bibles and what was going on with these Bibles. And so this guy Tunstall, when he found out about the Bibles that were being printed in Worms, he wanted them to be burned publicly in the presence of Cardinal Wolseley at St. Paul's cross. Um, and this did happen in 1530. And so Tunstall called the Tyndale Bible, I love how he says this, even though he's just a terrible person, um, a pestiferous and most pernicious poison. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, I but know, it sounds right? good. <laughs> I was like, I need to look this up. It sounds like a great yeah. insult, but I don't know what that means. So he, what he really didn't like about it was that he thought it was affected by Lutheranism because obviously mm-hmm. at this point, Tyndale's hanging out with Luther, mm-hmm. um, but also his church was very close to the continent. He didn't want it to be affected by these Tyndale Bibles. And so I wanted to read you this story that was printed in a book um, by Paul Wagner that is um, talking about what exactly happened with awesome. these Bibles. So Tunstall, before I read it, Tunstall commissioned a guy named Packington, who was a London merchant in Antwerp, to buy up all these Bibles, as many as there were, to get them off the market. 
this actually proved to benefit Tyndale. And this is yeah. what um, it says. <laughs> He's cashing in on their hatred. <laughs> yes, yes. The bishop, thinking that he had God by the toe, when indeed he had the devil by the fist, this is the wow. comment the commentator writing, said, gentle Master Packington, do your diligence and get them. And with all my heart, I will pay for them whatsoever they cost you, for the books are erroneous and naughty. And I intend <laughs> surely to destroy them all and burn them at Paul's cross. Augustine Packington came to William Tyndale and said, William, I know you're a poor man and hast a heap of New Testaments and books by thee, for which thou hast both endangered thy friends and beggared thyself. I have now gotten thee a merchant, which with ready money shall dispatch thee of all that you have, if you think it so profitable for yourself. Who is the merchant, said Tyndale. The Bishop of London, said Packington. <laughs> oh, that's because he'll burn them, said Tyndale. Yes, quoth Packington. I am the gladder said Tyndale, for these two benefits shall come thereof. I shall get money from him for these books to bring myself out of debt, and the whole world shall cry out upon the burning of God's word. Mm. And the overplus of the money that shall remain to me, I will make, I will become more studious to correct the said New Testament, and so newly imprint the same once again. I trust the second will much better like you than ever did the first. And so forward went the bargain. The bishop had the books, Packington had the thanks, and Tyndale had the money. Brilliant. The ultimate it deal. <laughs> it is. It is. Amazing. I just love that story. And I love um, how it was written down because um, it yeah. is one of the documents recording what happened um, and how the Lord just continued totally. To, totally. to get the word out there, even when it was being opposed mm. that strongly. I love that. And I love that that highlights, I think, Tyndale, one thing that comes through about Tyndale and his writings and stuff is that you can tell that there's this sense that God is leading him to do this. He knows that the Holy Spirit is leading him, that he's had this incredible encounter with God through reading in the Greek, the the Bible, and he wants other people to have that same encounter with God as well. But he has this knowledge that, oh, this is what God is calling me to do. And it's sort of propelling him forward to continue in that. I think that's awesome. Yes, I love that because there's only... The only way that somebody could die for this kind of work, mm. you know, it's not just dying for his faith. He's yeah. dying for translating this mm. book and putting it in the hands of the common people. So it's, it's not even like, oh, I just really believe in, in Jesus. I really believe in, in my faith because, you know, people die for erroneous teachings too, right? Yeah. Well. He died because he would not stop sharing that truth. He wasn't doing anything violent. He was mm. just communicating this truth that when in the hands of the common person would transform their lives. And that is what the church at that time was afraid of. Yeah. They were afraid, more afraid of losing power and control mm. wow. than they were of God himself. And that's wow. a terrible That's insane. And it really tells of those times, hey, because sometimes we can look back at the Reformation, whether we're pro it or against it, we can say, you know, like we shouldn't harm the unity of the church and all this sort of stuff. But when you see just how 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 crazy it had been become and, and yeah, the leadership had become, it shows you how necessary it was. Yeah. 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 yeah very, very necessary. Um, and, yeah, you know, coming out on the other side of that, the 
well, we'll get to this in a minute when we get to what, how his, how his life, um, how his life ended, but just seeing the impact reverberating for generations Mm. from his short life, just such a short life. And yet he was completely dedicated to completing what God called him to do. Wow. So inspiring. So yeah. Would you like to tell us like maybe a little bit about, yeah, his influence, his impact, um, how he shaped Christian history, how he shaped the church. Um, and then also like, how does that apply to us today? Why do we need to know of Tyndale? Why do, why should this be um, a part of our knowledge of church history? Yeah. Well, I think that really brings us to how Tyndale's life ended. So mm-hmm. we know that the Bible that he created was obviously being burned for a good portion of his life. Um, And, and at the end, towards the end of his life, 1535, 1536, um, Tyndale was kidnapped in 1535 and imprisoned. And it's possible that people tried to secure his release or excuse me, his release, but he was, it didn't happen. He was kept in until 1536 when he died. And I wanted to read this letter that he sent. Um, he sent it to someone in authority. We don't actually know who wow. asking um, for some things while he was in mm. prison. And I, and it's kind of, it's a little hard. It's a little hard to read, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It actually like chokes me up. So I have to like try mm-hmm. and keep my voice level a little bit, but in reading this, I think we get a picture of the cost Wow! Yeah. on Tyndale totally. to do what he did. So this is what he says. Mm-hmm. Again, he's writing to an authority figure of some kind. I believe, right, worshipful, that you are not unaware of what may have been determined concerning me. Wherefore, I beg your lordship and that by the Lord Jesus, that if I am to remain here through the winter, you will request the commissary to have the kindness to send me from the goods of mine, which he has a warmer cap for I suffer greatly from cold in the head and am afflicted, which is much increased in this cell, a warmer coat also for this, which I have is very thin, a piece of cloth too to patch my leggings. My overcoat is worn out. My shirts also are worn out. He has a woolen shirt. If he'd be good enough to send it. I have also with him leggings of thicker cloth to put on above. He has also warmer nightcaps. And I ask to be allowed to have a lamp in the evening. It is indeed wearisome sitting alone in the dark. But most of all, I beg and beseech your clemency to be urgent with the commissary that he will kindly permit me to have the Hebrew Bible, Hebrew grammar, and Hebrew dictionary, that I may pass the time in that study. In return, may you obtain what you most desire, so only that it be for the salvation of your soul. But if any other decision has been taken concerning me, to be carried out before winter, I will be patient, abiding the will of God to the glory of the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ, mm. whose spirit, I pray, may ever direct your heart. Wow. Yeah. So powerful. And as you said, just really does highlight the cost of of what he ended up producing and, and gifting to us gener- for generations to come. I think, mm. is it true that um, did the jailer and his daughter end up becoming christians or something like that through through you know, his witness. i don't know about that i didn't encounter that in my research okay. but it would not surprise me because mm. he i mean he had such an influence on mm. 
on the world. I mean, on his world and what the people he was trying to reach and the letters that we do have show him to be a a kind man. Yeah. Um, All, you know, there are some things in the reformation that, you know, we have to reckon with. There was mm-hmm. violence and and um, sinful words by some, some people, <laughs> including Luther. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He definitely and, had a potty mouth, didn't he? <laughs> he had, yes. And I mean, he and potty drawings too. Like he yeah. had some stuff that that man did. But oh, I can't wait it? to do Luther on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if it's yet to come, I am sure um, people will enjoy hearing about. It's going to be very- X-rated. <laughs> The humanity of Luther. But, you know, I think we have to reckon with the Reformation at times being very violent and and not being true to the gospel in some ways. And yet, really, when you read Tyndale's story, it's kind of a refreshing look because he's very consistent. He's very consistent. And as far as we know, as far as the research I did, there's no evidence that he strayed into some kind of violence or... Mm. um, uh, or slander or anything like that. Mm. He just did what God called him to do and was very motivated to do it. So beautiful. That's incredible. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to add on, um, you know, why we need uh, to know Tyndale for today, um, how he sort of shaped Christian history, um, all that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning, I think when you know about the pivotal people in the translation of the Bible, Mm. It gives you a greater appreciation for the Bible. It makes you, when you sit down to hold an English Bible, you are holding the fruit of so many people's labor. You're holding evidence that, you know, Tyndale died for you, the common person, to have access to that word. I am a common person that gets to have access to the Bible because this man died. The plowboy that he wanted to have that Bible has the Bible today around the world. And that is absolutely phenomenal that his vision actually came true, even though he didn't get to see that happen. And here's the amazing thing. When he was, when he was burned at the stake, because that's how they killed him. The very last thing he said was Lord open the king of england's eyes crazy yeah that was the last thing he said and the crazy thing is the very next year henry wow. the eighth approved the matthews Amazing. bible which on. was the summary of tyndale's work with a man named coverdale all of it compiled together under a different name but it was all tyndale's work Amazing. and that is what the king approved yeah. less than a phenomenal. year later it's it's awesome that his his prayers were answered. You know, he yeah. he had that prayer as he was dying, and and God, yeah. you know, uh, was faithful yeah. to that prayer. It's awesome. It honestly makes me think of the passage um, in Revelation that talks about how the the prayers of the saints mm. go go up with the incense. The prayers wow. of the martyrs is what it says. Wow. The prayers of the martyrs yes. are going up with the incense, and it's it's that's what I think of when I think of Tyndale's prayer so beautiful yeah and I think you're so right when you talk about um 
you know, all of us having access to the Bible, we we often don't realize that this was written in blood. It was written with people's blood. Like it, it's taken so much to get to us. Um, and I think when we do understand that history, we have a much greater appreciation, as you said, um, for what we have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. It's exciting. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I just want to finish up with um, maybe some fun facts on Tyndale. I know he had such an impacting life and and so much of what he went through is quite heavy, but do you have any sort of like fun facts about him, about his, his ministry, about what he, what he did with his life? Well, I thought it was pretty neat. I kind of like let all of my like little tidbits, I, I got too excited and I said all of them like in the midst of our <laughs> That's episode fine. That's fine. <laughs> but um, I, I did not know until studying for this episode that he actually did study under Luther or, or like yeah. at least was with Luther, um, you know, in Worms because that's where he already had 6,000 copies of the gospel of Matthew printed and he could actually be safer to print and, and work on the others. And then he also had two different sizes of the new Testament. He had a larger size and a smaller size. The larger Mm -hmm. was called a quarto and the smaller was called an octavo or an octavo. Um, So that was kind of interesting as well. So Um, they could put it in their pockets or something. Yeah, maybe. Smaller ones. To hide so it because you're not supposed to have it on you. <laughs> yeah, very, very possible. Um, it's interesting. I think my favorite story really is that one about um, the bishop getting the books yes. the, and Tyndale <laughs> getting the money. It just amazing. me up. Because I think it takes a, a lot of foresight and faith on someone's mm, part to totally. say, yeah, go ahead, burn it all. But guess what? I'm coming back with more. Like yeah, he didn't. That's great. He didn't seem to hesitate and say, oh, shoot well, now there's not going to be enough, or I just spent all my money on that. Like I, I I need to, I need to plan ahead and, and, you know, make more happen. Mm -hmm. And he just seemed to have complete faith that God was going to reprint those books. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And you you don't get this sense, even though it was so hard, you don't get this sense that he was discouraged and overwhelmed and stopped. Like he just kept going. He's like, no, let's, let's do it. You know, he's, He's a never say die, energize a bunny. I don't know if you have that over in the yes. States. <laughs> okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> you just kept Illustration going. rings true. <laughs> yes, it's, it's powerful. It's inspiring, I think, just to see that someone had such faith that he knew mm. this is what God's called me to do. Yeah. This is what God wants for his people. And yeah. so I'm, you can't stop me because mm. you can try. And eventually, I mean, you could say, oh, well, they did stop him because they actually killed him. But look mm. what happened. His work yeah. carried on without him and that just goes to show that it wasn't him it was the lord all that's beautiful awesome i love that is there anything else that you want to share about tyndale i think that's all all everything i had i just hope that whoever listens gets excited to to read more about him and um just explore the translation process um because Mm. it's it's a really fascinating study i do have an entire series on the canon and how it was compiled and translated if people want to listen to that um but it's a it's fun to read about um really i think people who are like i don't know if that doesn't sound very fun to me but (laughs) it it really can be interesting once you realize oh wow like that's how i got the bible that i read Totally. That's so good, Felicia. And I love how, as you were saying at the start, um, in, in an age where the Bible and the reliability and, and the, you know, the 
truthfulness of the Bible and all that sort of stuff is actually um, coming under fire and coming into question, it's so good for us to have an accurate historical perspective on how this was translated and where where it came from and what, what's been written and all that sort of stuff. So thank you for the work that you do in, in helping people to understand that as well. Can't wait to, to check it out. Absolutely. It's fun for me. So thanks for having me on to talk about this. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the Eagle and Child podcast. Uh, If people want to follow your ministry at Felicia Masonheimer, follow her on Instagram. Thank you so much for being with us, Felicia. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning into the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.